Stanislaus Reads and Writes presents Ashes in a Teardrop, narrated by Emerson Drake. Enjoy the unique writing styles of 15 local authors, each contributing a chapter in this first community novel project from the Stanislaus County Library. The novel begins when a young couple stumbles across an abandoned teardrop trailer during a weekend bike ride along the Tuolumne River. What follows is a suspenseful mystery set against the familiar landscape of Stanislaus County. Ashes in a Teardrop, Chapter 2 Kind of looks like a giant mother-of-pearl parcheesi piece, Jerry rubbed his fingers over the smooth enameled surface of the base of the vase. His fingers touched the wax line and continued to the bulbous cap that sat at the top of the small spire-like neck. It's too heavy for me to keep holding, Amy said and put it on the trailer floor. Jerry picked up the vase and rotated it in his hands. I wonder what it has in it. Feels like about six pounds, he said. Red wax seal means whatever it is has been untouched by air. He carried the vase back to the fold-up table, hunched over to protect his head from the low ceiling. Amy followed him. Maybe it's some rare liquor that's well-aged. Wine, maybe. We might be able to sell it at an auction and make a tidy sum from one of those collectors, Amy said, brushing a strand of hair from her face with the back of her dusty hand. I don't think so. Jerry looked at the bottom of the vessel, which had C.B. Memorial Home neatly handwritten in blue ink. It says it came from a memorial home, probably someone's ashes. Ooh, it's a body, Amy asked, taking a step back. That's my guess, Jerry said, spinning the urn around again. Look at this. He pointed at the wax covering the lid. What? It has an embossing. A what? Amy moved in and looked closely at the seal like they used on envelopes in the old days so you could see if anyone opened your mail, Jerry said. They pressed your initials, a monogram, family crest, or whatever into melted wax at the seal line. My dad had one of those kits from the 60s. He squinted and moved the urn to get the best light on the embossing. Looks like two R's in a mere image, Amy said. Yeah, I wonder if it's someone's initials, Jerry asked. I've seen that somewhere before, though. Sure you have, Jer. Maybe you were at the services. What I do know is that your little project has an unidentified body involved with it. I think you need to call the sheriff's department. Why, I mean, no one seemed to miss him since 1997. Or her, Amy said. How would you like it if it was a relative of yours and some stranger had the remains? If it was my crazy Uncle Lewis, more power to him. Seriously, she said. Maybe we can just take the urn to the coroner's office? How do you explain where you got it? Amy asked. Come on, do the right thing. Call the sheriff out and give them the details. But what if they take my trailer? Jerry touched the inside wall. It won't be the last teardrop you shed. That was bad, Amy, he said. Putting the urn back on the floor against the magazine rack, he stared at it and shook his head. You're probably right. I'll go in and call the sheriff's department and tell them the whole story. I didn't say you had to do it this instant. I mean, we could explore a little more, Amy continued with a mischievous smile. Jerry returned her grin and nodded his head. Amy pointed toward the bed where the urn had been. You take the front, I'll take the back. Her eyes darted to the urn and then to the magazine rack. She pulled the paper back out and scanned the cover of John Grisham's The Firm. She pulled out three more Grisham novels and sat them on the table. Guy seemed fascinated with the law, Amy yelled. Four books by Grisham. She found Sunset Magazines from 1995, 1996, and 1997 with no address labels. 
Amy scanned the contents, hoping to find a common theme, but no luck. I remember now, Jerry called from the front. Remember what? Hold on, let me... He wrenched his body around, trying to get out of the little sleeping space. Ouch, Jerry said as his head hit the ceiling. The quilt the urn had been found in twisted around him. His feet got tangled up, and he fell to the floor with a thud. Remember what? Amy asked again. I said just a minute. Jerry rubbed his head and looked at his hand. He pulled the quilt from his legs and crawled to the back of the trailer with Amy. Did you find anything up there? No, he said. But I remember where I saw the embossing. He grinned at her like he'd won the lottery. Where? Amy asked, one hand tapping a Sunset magazine. The H. Bar B, Jerry said. The what? The H. Bar B in Oakdale. Jerry's head tilted to the side as he looked into Amy's eyes. What are you talking about? It's an old cowboy bar. Been around forever, Jerry explained. So? What, the R&R stands for Rob Roy, a favorite drink at the bar? I doubt that in a cowboy bar, he said. No, the walls are all wooden, covered with brands. All bars have neon signs and mirrors spouting the brands of booze they sell. I don't remember any brand logo that looks like this, Amy said, pointing at the urn. Jerry shook his head. No, brands like in branding cattle. You know, those big hot iron bars with artwork at the end so they burn into, well, you get the picture. Only on the walls inside the bar. They're covered with brands from various ranches throughout the county, burned right into the wood. You can almost smell the smoke. And you just happen to see a burn mark on the wall of the bar in Oakdale that matches our urn embossing? I think so, Jerry scratched the side of his head, leaving a trail of dirt across his cheek. I mean, it was only a week ago, and I'm... A week ago? When did you go to a bar a week ago, Amy interrupted. Uh, Mario and I went on that bike ride from Knight's Ferry to Oakdale down Orange Blossom Road last week, remember? Yeah, I remember. While I volunteered as an official on the 5K run for diabetes, you and Mario drove to the top of a hill coasted down and called it exercise. And now I find out you guys wound up in a cowboy bar plowing down beers? They sell sodas, too. Did you have a soda? He turned his head and glanced around the trailer, avoiding eye contact. They have a brand on the wall that looks just like this embossing. Why don't you go in and call the sheriff's department? I don't think there's anything else here of interest, but I'll keep at it until you come back. Okay, Jerry moved towards the trailer door. Remember, if you find something, let me see. Amy looked under the cushions of the settee and saw a water storage tank. Its aluminum was cool to the touch in the hot trailer. She glanced back at the front and wondered if there was anything under the mattress that Jerry might have overlooked. She ducked and crab-walked to the back of the trailer to avoid hitting her head. She pulled the quilt off the floor where Jerry had unraveled himself and then folded it and stuck it out of the way. Amy thought how great it would be to find a diamond ring or maybe a gold nugget. That would buy a dining room set or maybe a bathroom remodel. The bed was a solid wooden frame. Two small sheets of plywood atop the frame supported the mattress, leaving a storage cavity below. The thin mattress was covered in sheets that might have been white, but now were yellowed with age. Amy picked up a pillow and reached into the case to see if anything was hidden inside before tossing it to the floor. She scooted the mattress off the frame and placed it on the floor, then climbed on top to access under the bed. She lifted one plywood panel off and peered into the half-chamber below. It was dark inside and hard to see, but something sparkled in the dim light coming in from the window. 
Payday, she wondered. Yet the thought of putting her hand into the dark space sent a chill up her spine. Amy hurried out of the trailer and into the garage to get a flashlight. Back inside the trailer, she turned on the light and peered toward whatever it was shining down there. It was just a glass surround from an old lantern. There were small shovels, jacks, and tools laid neatly under the bed, and Amy spied a coil of rope and carabiners tucked into the corner. The operation manual for the stove sat atop a small wooden box. She pulled the box out and flipped it open, hoping to find something worthwhile. Old socket wrenches and sockets, a few screwdrivers, and some Allen wrenches were inside. I don't know why I expected to find treasure all of a sudden, she thought. I didn't even want Jerry to bring this home. A twinge of guilt hid as she realized she was feeling greedy. Amy went to put the wooden box back under the bed when she saw a small leather-bound book, a leather cord holding the covers closed. She picked it up and set it to the side while she replaced the box. Amy replaced the half-sheet of plywood on the frame and removed the sheet from the other side. The flashlight showed light bulbs, fuses, a canteen, a rolled-up tent or canopy, and tent stakes and cord. She pressed on the fabric but didn't feel anything inside. She replaced the piece of plywood and focused on the book. The dark tan leather felt dry and the cover was cracked from age. Amy could make out three barely visible letters etched in gold on the cover. D-I-Y. She pulled on the cord that held it closed, but it broke in her hand. Amy opened the book. The police will be here in about 15 minutes, Jerry's voice sounded suddenly behind her. Did you find anything else? Amy recoiled, then quickly shut the book and held it against her. No, just some old tools and stuff. I'll put all this back in place. Why don't you take the urn and set it in the garage? Will do. The trailer bounced as Jerry climbed in and grabbed the urn. Amy set the book to the side and quickly replaced the mattress, then opened it to a page at random. She saw a date and writing a flowing script. A woman's hand for sure, she thought, but as she touched the edges of the pages, they disintegrated. She closed the book before there was any more damage, thinking, someone's journal or diary. Amy hid the book between two of the sunset issues and climbed out of the trailer. Jerry set up a table next to the little teardrop and started sorting what they'd already thrown out. Amy walked towards the house. What have you got there, he asked. A couple of old sunset magazines. I saw some recipes that look good. I doubt if the sheriff needs them. I jumped the gun throwing all this stuff out, Jerry said. Maybe they need to see some of this stuff. When you said you found a body in the trailer, I mean, you could have explained the body was ashes, Mr. Curtis, Deputy Radcliffe said. He held a clipboard and jotted notes as he glanced around the dilapidated little teardrop trailer. Radcliffe was six feet tall, sported tree trunks for arms, and his uniform shirt was a size too small and showed off his physique. His hair was short and spiked with gel. The handcuffs, gun, baton, and other items on his utility belt jingled when he moved. I didn't need to get out of here this quick. If your dispatcher had given me some time, I would have, Jerry said. You say you found the ashes in this trailer? Yes. And you bought this trailer from who, Radcliffe asked? We found it and brought it home. And where did you find it? The deputy's eyes widened as he waited for the answer. Out at Tuolumne River Regional Park, buried in the brush next to the river, Jerry said, glancing at the trailer's flattened tires and the vegetation lodged underneath it. You know, Radcliffe said, you should have reported this to the Modesto Police Department, since it's a vehicle and all, and it's their jurisdiction. Still, I'll make a judgment and figure that perhaps the value of this isn't worth the MPD's time. He stared at the tire's cracked sidewalls and Alja Patina. Now back to the urn, Radcliffe continued. You assume it has someone's ashes in it? 
It says CB Memorial Home, Jerry said. I mean, it's printed in ink on the bottom, and look, it's got these embossed letters in the wax seal on the top. I think I've seen that same logo on the wall at H-Bar-B in Oakdale. Do much drinking, do you, Mr. Curtis? No, hardly ever. Wait a minute, I'm just trying to help. Amy, tell him, Jerry urged. He doesn't do much drinking, officer, she said, turning towards her husband, lips pursed and shaking her head. Based on what we've seen in this trailer, it appears nobody's been inside it since 1997. What if a relative of the deceased has been searching for the ashes, Amy asked. Well, what if it was one of your relatives, officer, she interrupted. Well, if it was my loony Aunt Mabel, I'd never said a word, Radcliffe replied. But I understand your concern. I'll take these ashes back to the coroner's office, he said. Try not to disturb too much of the trailer for the next week or so. The coroner might want to take a look at where this was found. He looked at the urn. Amy and Jerry nodded. Here's my card, Radcliffe said. If you find anything you think might be of help with the identification of the remains, give me a call. Jerry followed Amy into the house. She sat at the kitchen counter and tapped on the Sunset magazines, motioning him into the chair next to her. That cop was kind of pushy, huh? Jerry said. Not to me, Amy answered. You need to present an air of authority. They'll get the message. Last time I tried to do that, the cop decided a speeding ticket wasn't enough, and my tires were a tad too worn. Cost me a bunch to be authoritative, Jerry said. Maybe it's a woman thing. You're just lucky to have one of the best on your side. I'm so glad I married you, Jerry said, leaning over to kiss her cheek. I didn't show you this earlier, Amy said as she lifted the magazines off the book, but I think this is a diary of someone who may have owned that little trailer.